0: coming up today on growing grace if you're born once you'll die twice you'll die when you quit breathing here and then at the great judgment throne you'll be separated from god for eternity the second death but if you're born twice first by amniotic fluid and then secondly by a spiritual experience of surrender god forgive my sins take my life then you will live and only die once
1: physically you'll live for eternity Zion all build with hands and in this place got to dwell with man sit and the crippled stain, singing hallelujah my kingdom built with the blood of my son selfless sacrifice for everyone faith Welcome to another week of Grow in Grace. If you've been tuning into the broadcast, and we hope you have, you'll know Pastor Ed Ray is in the Gospel of John, chapter 3. We continue there today answering the question, Do you know what it means to be born again? It's a pretty common phrase in Christian circles, yet many simply don't understand what the Lord meant by that. Nicodemus needed some clarification, and perhaps you do too. From John chapter 3, here's Pastor Ed.
0: Everything Nicodemus had been taught and was teaching, how to get to heaven, how to be accepted by God, depends entirely upon adhering to a huge list of laws. No, that's dead wrong. Dead wrong. Centuries of religious tradition Jesus wiped out with this answer. Now, Jesus is speaking very kindly to this Pharisee. He was not this kind with other Pharisees. He would call them a brood of vipers, your snakes, your whitewashed sepulchres, because they were hypocrites. They were saying one thing and living another. But Nicodemus is evidently trying to do all these things of the law. And God uses a sword, or maybe a surgeon's scalpel is a better term to cut away all those lessons that he had been teaching other people. And Jesus is very kind to him because he's trying to draw him. That's what Jesus said. If you would draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. If you seek me, you will find me. He said, you must be born again. If you're not, you cannot see the kingdom. Now, we use the word see in a couple of different ways. Oh, I see. I get it. I grasp it, or to visually see it through your cerebral cortex. No external profession, no ceremonial ordinance, no tradition, no ritual, no privileges of birth would entitle anyone into the Messiah's kingdom. It's entirely dependent upon a change of heart that God does when we surrender. Nicodemus is confused. He says, how can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus is maybe 70, 80, maybe older. Jesus is 30. This is the first year of his ministry. You'll remember that the Gospel of John is the only chronological gospel. The other three are scattered different times in Jesus' life. This is the first year of Jesus' ministry. He's 30 years old, plus or minus a few months. And how can a man be born? He said, I'm an old man. How can I be born again? Can I enter a second time into my mother's womb? Ask your mom. She's going to say no. Now, Nicodemus actually answers with two questions. And there's a glimmer of hope in that. His mind is whirling around. His thoughts are racing in his head, I'm sure. He's really trying to get what this young man is saying. Starting over again, start anew. That sounds good. How do I do that? Jesus' words have the desired effect on Nicodemus, and they will on you too. Jesus succeeds in totally upsetting Nicodemus' normal thought pattern. He has Nicodemus's complete attention because he really does want to receive. How can I get back inside my mother's womb? Jesus said, most assured, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, I'm going to explain this in a way that I understand it after many years, and you don't have to agree with me, because in some ways I'm going against a couple of different denominations interpretation of this verse, but I just want to be true to what I see. So born of water, some see this as baptism, water baptism. I don't believe that's what he means, because that would make getting into the kingdom of God a work, a good work, that you can earn your way into heaven. Others believe it is a picture of the Word of God because Jesus said, you have been washed by my words. And it might be that. But I think it's more fundamental than that. I think it's simpler than that. I believe Jesus is talking about water inside a mother's tummy. We still say in English, when a woman is about ready to deliver, has her water broken? We're talking about Amniotic fluid. It's this amazing biochemical liquid that surrounds a baby that's filled with enzymes and proteins, essential things for the baby to grow it. So something happens at birth where that baby goes from a liquid media, living in water, breathing in and out amniotic fluid because there's no air there except what mother breathed, went into the umbilical cord, went into the water inside her, and the baby's lungs are being bathed in this amniotic fluid. But something happens. Minutes before the baby is born, the mother senses that the baby is ready to breathe. Everything's developed enough. And she automatically expels two chemicals, splingomycin and mysomethion. It's, anyway, it's not important. It won't be on the test. And those two chemicals are breathed in. I'm using the term for air when it's really amniotic fluid. The baby takes the amniotic into its lungs, and lungs are filled with alveoli. They look like grapes, like bunches of grapes, okay? And they're up against one another. They're all stuck together. But these two chemicals at just the right minute, are, they're a detergent, just like soap. And they allow the alveoli to separate and be ready for the first breath. A few minutes later, the baby comes out and does <gasps> for the very first time, and a miracle takes place. The septum in the middle of the heart closes, another valve opens, blood is flowing in the right places into the lungs to get this oxygen that's coming in. The alveoli have been prepared by the, I'm sorry, we're right in the middle of a biology lecture here, okay? This is embryology. <laughs> The wheel fell in that rut because I've taught it before. <laughs> That's why I'm convinced that he's talking about amniotic fluid. Unless one is born of water the first time physically. We all Anybody who wasn't born? I'm pretty sure we all did that water thing. And the spirit cannot enter. He didn't say see this time. He says enter into the kingdom of God. I came across a great article by a 1700 evangelist named George Whitfield. If you get a chance to read about him, he's an amazing guy. He's an Englishman. He comes to America, and he preaches as a missionary in the wilds of Georgia to the Native Americans that were there. There weren't very many Caucasians there yet. And he writes about it in this book, and this is what he says about his life at Oxford before he came to Georgia. I fasted 36 hours a day, twice a week. I prayed formal prayers several times a day and almost starved myself to death during Lent. What's he saying? He's trying to earn his way to heaven, but only felt more miserable. Then by God's grace, I met Charles Wesley, another student at Oxford, put a book in my hand that showed me from the scriptures that I must be the first. I must be born again. At last, Whitfield understood that he had to trust in Jesus Christ. He couldn't earn his way to heaven. Nobody earns his way to heaven. And he prayed and was born again. I keep using these illustrations of people that were religious because I'm trying to break a pattern that I've seen all over America. I've had an opportunity to preach, teach all over the world. But especially in America, we get stuck into this earning your way to heaven. And Jesus is very clearly speaking to a man who tried to earn his way to heaven. He said, you're not getting in that way. It's not working. That which is born of the flesh, next verse six, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That which is born of the flesh, carny, carnally, sarks in the Greek language, carny is sada. That which is born of carny, the flesh is flesh, physical. That which is born from the mother, you're physical, you're alive. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now he's about ready to use this over and over again, and it's a play on words. It's a play on words in the Greek language and in the Hebrew language, but not in the English language, okay. So in the Greek language, pneuma is the word for spirit. It's also the word for wind. It's also the word for breathing. So there's a play on words in Greek, but it's also a play on words in Hebrew. The Hebrew word, pneuma is the Greek word. Pneuma is pneumatic tools air-driven tools. Pneumonia in your lungs. The Hebrew word is ruach, and it's a play on words in both of those languages. It just doesn't work in English. We say wind, and it has nothing to do with spirit. But Jesus is going to put the two together.
1: We're growing in grace through a study in John 3 with Pastor Ed Ray. Thank you for listening to Grow in Grace Here's Pastor Ed with the second half of today's message. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again.
0: Nicodemus must have had that look on his face. Ah, I still don't get it. I'm not understanding this. The second birth is spiritual. The first one is physical. If you're born once, you'll die twice. You'll die when you quit breathing here. And then at the great judgment throne, you'll be separated from God for eternity, the second death. But if you're born twice, first by amniotic fluid, and then secondly, by a spiritual experience of surrender, God, forgive my sins, take my life, then you will live and only die once physically. You'll live for eternity. That sounds too good. It is good. It's really, really, really good. We were dead. How so? Ephesians 2.1. You were dead dead in your trespasses. I was dead in my sin. But he made us alive. That's what Paul said. That's what he's talking about, that new birth. Still with me? Now here's the play on words, verse 8. The wind blows, the pneuma, 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 the pneuma, pneuma's where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. My wife actually used this on me. I was a scientist at the time, 26 years old. I wasn't a believer. I was smarter than anybody. I was an idiot. I just hadn't figured it out yet, okay? And she says, I said, I can't see God. I can't see anything. She says, can you see the wind? Smarty. I got it. The Holy Spirit moves when and where he wants to. And it's still true. We don't know which way the wind blows. That's what Jesus is saying. I I mean, go watch the Weather Channel, you know. We have a hurricane It's coming in from the Gulf of Mexico. It's going to hit somewhere between Texas and Florida. (laughs) Oh, how helpful. And then about two hours before it hits, he says it's going to be between Houston and New Orleans, and then it takes out Florida. We still don't know which way the wind blows, and we don't know what the Holy Spirit is doing. And many times you and I will do things that we don't think are spiritual at all and the Holy Spirit takes it and uses it and we look back and go wow how do you do that Nicodemus answers and said how can these things be He's struggling with these concepts they seem so foreign he doesn't understand how could he a teacher need to start over again it's pride his pride is in the way like mine was I was reading this week a great book of a Scottish physician who was leaving for the mission field on a ship in the early 20th century, 1901, 1902, and he goes down to get on this ship to take him down to Africa. and. A friend of his was a evangelist named Andrew Bonar, famous in Scotland, we don't know the name, but he came to the pier to see his friend off, the physician. And when he got there, the physician was with his sister and his sister was going as his assistant. She was a nurse. And he didn't know her, this guy Bonar, and so he turned to her and he said, my dear, I don't believe I've ever had the privilege of making your acquaintance. I'm pleased that you're going with your brother. I'd like to remember you in my prayers. What is your first name? And she said, Christine. And he said, I like that. He's elderly. He said, I like that for you have Christ in your name. I trust that you have Christ in your heart. And she went dead silent. She didn't know what to say. And the whistle blew for the cruise ship to leave. And she got on the cruise ship and she was on the edge of the deck leaning over the rail and her brother who's the physician came up and said, what's wrong? And she said, that man, he really bothered me. I don't know that I have Christ in my heart. And her brother prayed with her and she was born again. And that story was in the Moody Monthly years after it happened because she spent the next 35 years in Africa and served the Lord the whole time. Telling others about this concept is important, even though they may not grasp it. They probably won't. You didn't grasp it the first time you heard about it. Share it with others. So Jesus answered, verse 10, we're getting there, almost there. Are you the teacher? There's a definite article there. Now, you may have a translation that doesn't have the word the there. It's there in the Greek language. Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Jesus is saying that Nicodemus taught the Old Testament and he never saw born again filled with the spirit in the Old Testament and he should have. That's what Jesus is saying. How so? Ezekiel 36:26. You know it. Jesus speaking, "I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take out your heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh." I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and you will do them. You see, God changes our desires. That's the beauty of grace. I want to do the right thing, not because I'm such a perfect guy. I'm the same idiot I always was. But God gives me a new want to. That's our only hope. If God, we sing that song, Holy Water. I don't want to abuse your grace, Lord. I need it every day. It's the only thing that makes me want to change. That's what he's talking about. That's what Nicodemus should have understood. He had the information, but he didn't understand it. Verse 11, assuredly, most assuredly, truly, truly, verily, verily, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen. Why is the word we capitalized? because it's plural in the Greek language and he's talking about the Trinity. Don't tell me the Trinity isn't in the the Bible, there it is. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit and the Father and I have been talking and we have known these things and we're witnessing, we're, we're speaking out truth to you, what we've seen and you don't receive God's testimony. That's what he's saying. You're ignoring what I'm saying, Nicodemus, and he calls Nicodemus out. We need to be open, receptive to instruction. It's easy to think you've arrived at some point. Here's what God says about receiving correction. Proverbs 12:1. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge. But he who hates correction is stupid. Direct quote from the New King James. God, why don't you tell us what you really think about us? <laughs> if you don't listen, you don't, if you're not willing to change, you're being an idiot. Proverbs 13.1. A wise man heeds his father's instructions, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. We need to keep that pliable attitude of, Lord, I want to grow. I welcome your criticism. I welcome your conviction. Last verse. If I had told you earthly things, and physical things, and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Nicodemus, you're not listening. You must believe before you can see. What? It took me a long time to wrap my mind around that because I was a scientist. I wanted to see and then believe by the results that I could see. But that's not what it says. Believe and then you will see. Well, how do you believe? You say, Lord, I choose. An act of my volition. I choose to believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Please take my life and forgive me. And then you'll understand. It only comes after you've surrendered to the king. Otherwise, you're telling him how to run a life. It's a step of faith. Religious people need Jesus, too. That's the story here
1: in 12 verses. Well, maybe that's exactly what you need to do today. Each of us must be born again to see the kingdom of God, and that happens by believing in God's Son. We encourage you to call on the Lord now to be saved in Jesus' name. We'll hear some additional thoughts from Pastor Ed Ray in just a moment as Grow in Grace continues. You'll find us online at thepackinghouse.org. And that's a great place to go and hear this program again and find more information about the Packinghouse Christian Fellowship. That's thepackinghouse.org. You can also call and ask for a CD copy at 844-77-GRACE. You know, it takes a team to bring you Grow in Grace, And we look to our listeners to help make all this possible. If you'd like to make a contribution, you can call 844-77-GRACE. And as you do, be sure to request our special offer available for a gift of any amount. It's a book written by Chuck Smith titled, Why Grace Changes Everything. You'll discover the difference grace will make for you. It transforms our lives into something beautiful. Read all about it in this Christian classic and we'll send it your way when you support Grow in Grace with a gift of any amount. You can reach us again at 844-77-GRACE. Again, that's 844-77-GRACE. Here's Pastor Ed to wrap up today's message. Let me
0: close with a true story. A missionary named Cunningham, I know him, was on a plane flight. To speak somewhere from atlanta georgia to uh, dallas fort worth and he's in a jet sitting in the center where it has three seats and he's sitting in the middle seat and he's the first guy on the plane so he's all alone and, and he's thinking oh this is a good time to get my thoughts together and and consider what i'm going to talk on and just as he got all buckled up a little girl pushed in, in front of him and sat right next to him She's at 11 12 years old and he noticed that she was Down syndrome. She was trisomy three, handicapped little girl. And he smiled, said hi, and he leaned back. And she said, mister, do you brush your teeth? <laughs> he said, well, yes, I do, after every meal. She said, that's good. Then your teeth won't rot out. Yes, thank you. He said, okay, now I can relax. Two minutes later, she says, mister. Do you smoke? She said, no, actually I don't. She says, good, because it'll kill you. <laughs> Thanks. Maybe she's through now. I can rest. No, she wasn't through. Mister, are you born again? Do you love Jesus? Well, yes. As a matter of fact, I do. In fact, that's where I'm going to tell people about Jesus. She said, good, then you won't go to hell. <laughs> Thanks. And so he's hoping there's no more questions. Here's the door shut. And a guy runs up and sits beside him in the next seat. And he says he's got a $3,000 suit on. He's carrying a leather attache case. He's got alligator shoes on. He's obviously an attorney. That's what he said. And he falls back and says, wow, I just made it. He said, yeah, you did. You just made it. Little girl looks over, says, mister, do you brush your teeth? (laughs) He said, what'd she say? He said she wants to know if you brush your teeth. And he looked over and saw that she finally got it, she was handicapped and he said, oh yes, as a matter of fact, I do. She said, good, then your teeth won't rot out, (laughs) thanks. But Cunningham knows what's coming. (laughs) And everybody settles down for two minutes and then the little girl leans forward and says, mister, she says, yes, sweetheart, do you smoke? And Cunningham said he could smell smoke on this guy. He smokes like a chimney. And he went, oh my goodness. And he said, what's she saying? She wants to know if you smoke. He says, yeah, I'm sorry, I do. Goes, it's gonna kill you. He says, yeah, you're probably right, probably will. Settles back down. Cunningham knows the train's going <laughs> this direction. And he's got one more question. And she says, ask him if he loves Jesus. Is he born again? And Cunningham said, I don't want to ask this guy. So what I'm supposed to be doing, but I don't want to do it. But I got to. So he says, the little girl wants to know, if you love Jesus, are you born again? The guy's face went ashen. He's dead serious. He says, I've been thinking about that for two days. I don't think I do know God. Do you know how to get to heaven? And Cunningham prayed with him there before they took off. And he received Jesus Christ because a handicapped girl was just bold enough to ask.
1: Join us here next time as we continue our study through John's Gospel with Pastor Ed Ray here on Grow in Grace. This is an outreach sponsored by the Packing House Christian Fellowship of Redlands. Zion, build with hands and in this place gotta dwell with man and the The blood of my son Selfless sacrifice for everyone Faith, hope, love and harmony I said let this world know me by your love